I'm former Congressman Gary Franks. And I'm his son, Gary. I'm millennial. We're discussing everything from politics to sports and pop culture. From very different perspectives. We speak frankly. So how you doing, Gary Jr.? I'm doing good. And I would like to ask you about the progress report of where... Uh, you know, where we stand with COVID now. Good point, Gary. I tell you, it's, um, it's heartwarming to, to see uh, one aspect of what's going on. And obviously, it's going in the wrong direction as far as people getting sick, et cetera. It's not, that's not good. It's, it's, it's really getting to the point where you, we all have to be very, very concerned. And I think the entire nation is very concerned. The death rates are not as, is not as high because people who have been given the vaccination have, are not prone to... Uh, at this point in here, I don't want to get too carried away, but the death rate is not that high. But the the people who have gotten COVID, they've been people who have had the shots. So uh, from that perspective, it's it's unfortunate. But the bigger point is that only 48% of Americans have had both shots. And that's not too good. That number has been creeping up very, very slowly. And President Biden said that he wanted 70% of Americans to have at least one shot by the 4th of July. Well, we're getting ready to get into August very soon, and we we're still not we're still around sixty six percent, and and that's creeping along as well. But what I am encouraged about, as I said earlier, is the fact that everyone is on the right page as far as the media and the press. Everyone is telling people to get the vaccination. And I think that's a that's a good point. That's a good part of what's happening. Uh, we are now t- starting to take it as though we are in a war with COVID. Unlike what happened a year ago, this at this point, Gary, when it was well, Trump is really, I, I don't know, maybe should you know when it was all over the place and everyone was in authority and everyone was trying to make people look bad, not realizing or realizing that it was killing people, but still they wanted to get one thing done and that was uh, they were looking at the November election. So thank God that no one is now looking at politics from that perspective and uh, i.e. using COVID now and that all, everyone's on the same page. All the media outlets are saying it. Republican congressmen, Republican governors and senators, Democrat governors, everybody, the White House, everyone is saying that um, you know we should get vaccinated. Now, I think that um, I'm I'm pleased that President Biden got off of the kick of trying to blame Facebook because I think that was uh, kind of outrageous when he went on TV and said you know Facebook is killing people. I think that was uh, beyond hyperbole. I think it's very it's, it's very very. Uh, you know, that's bad. It was bad. I won't go any further than that. But uh, he did come back and walk it back like he has many of his other statements that he has when he has misspoken, uh, kind of somewhat of a trend. But that's fine. It was better to do that than, than leave it out there, quite frankly. It is, Gary, uh, a situation where now people are wondering whether or not we should have mandates. Now we're seeing teams and we're professional teams and businesses starting to say, hey, let's dust off the legal books here and find out whether or not we can mandate people having the vaccination or not being part of our company or not being part of our team. And so the NFL came out uh, last week, Gary, and said, hey, if, you know, if, if there's a situation where there's an outbreak and it's, the outbreak is caused by people who have not been vaccinated, then they're going to have to forfeit the game and also forfeit, guess what, their money. Because incentives, bonuses, carrots, and all the sticks, guess what? They've always worked. Okay. They've always worked. That's why I've said before that we should look at, when we're looking at the crime situation, we should look at giving the police departments through their unions, potentially a bonus for, for the, the lowering the crime rate, et cetera, in our major cities. 
believe me, it will work. It works in every capacity. I think that one of the CEOs of a major corporation was was given an incentive for staying another few years. And guess what? He's staying for another few years. So it, it does work. And so um, I know I went on a tangent on that. But the bottom line of it is, Gary, it's, it's a situation where companies are saying to folks, maybe the government can't say to get your, va- your vaccination, in, or maybe the state can't say it either. But if you want to work for our company, you're going to have to be vaccinated. And hospitals have started to do that. In fact, one hospital, one major hospital, but at least five people because they were not that five workers who who refused to get vaccinated. They didn't they, they were let go. And NFL is blank, blank basically said, hey, there are with some but few exceptions that there are exceptions. There are a number of you out there. And if you don't want to play for us, you know, we'll get another you. You know, so and they they've been taking that position. The unions come out and say, wait a minute, guys, you can't just run over us like that. But. You know, it should be interesting to see how it plays out with the NFL, but also in in business in, in the business sector as well, because many businesses would like to have their employees come back to work physically instead of working uh, remotely, and and so they're contemplating saying, hey, if you're not vaccinated, you can't you can't come in. And many of the universities out there, Gary, even prior to the recent up- outbreak of COVID, have said that you can't come back to school and talking about on the collegiate level without being showing proof of vaccination. So it's starting to reach a new phase. We're getting close to September where obviously a number of our 12 and under kids are not eligible at this point to be vaccinated because we don't have something that's been approved at this point for those youngsters. So uh, it's a situation Gary that's hurt President Biden and his polling numbers as well. They've gone down, and I think that the reason for that is partially due to the fact that he was claiming his performance on COVID was so great, and and obviously it looked like he was running downhill because it looked like it was waning at that point. And now that it's not waning and it's starting to look like we're going up another hill again, you know, people are saying, well, if that's your major achievement for the first six months, uh, maybe it's not that great of an achievement. Now, he's, he's been underwater with, with the white population for quite some time. Most white people, they have not approved his his, his job performance, even in the most recent uh, poll by Gallup. But bottom line of it is, Gary, we, we have to keep praying for this pandemic to end and checking um, it day by day. But I'm glad to see that we're all in the right place or the major people are who are the mouthpieces for our government, as well as that, that being political figures as well as the media, we're all on the same page and hopefully people will see that and those who are undecided will will, will decide to, to get vaccinated. But it seems as though they're digging in as well since the numbers have not really increased in the last week or so, as far as the total number of vaccinations are concerned. Did you answer the question, why is it going the wrong way, the wrong direction? No, I don't think we all know what, why. We don't know, Gary, why it's going the wrong way. Some people will say that it's because of the fact that there's so many people that are not vaccinated that's that's the the cry of the the media and of, of political people that the unvaccinated people are causing this 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 problem but as i stated before there have been situations where people who have been vaccinated have also gotten it so <laughs> i'm not going on that limb saying that it's all due to unvaccinated people because you know i think there are a lot of people who have had both shots who are very concerned as well and so um don't know. I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not gonna be a Mr. Fauci. You know, I'm not gonna go go there as far as why. But I think that what is very clear is that if you do have the vaccination, however, you are less likely to have a serious illness or 
the likelihood of your dying is, is a lot, lot lower than someone who has not been vaccinated. So let me phrase it like that because it could happen to anyone. But I think that's the best way of looking at it. Vaccinations help and we should get vaccinated. As we've said before, you're vaccinated, I'm vaccinated. I think I, we should, you should get vaccinated. No question about that. But why is it going like this? I you know, don't know. It's kind of convoluted, Gary, but bottom line of it is, I would want the Republicans to vote present <laughs> on the infrastructure bill if they bring it up early. And in every one of their speeches say, we've been told by the Speaker of the House that she's not going to bring up the bill for a vote. So why should we vote on this? We're going to vote present and actually wait for what the Speaker said she's waiting for, the reconciliation bill. We will be happy to vote for this once reconciliation is done because the speaker said she's not going to bring it up the infrastructure until reconciliation is done so why are we going through this that is what the republican party should be saying that is what mitch mcconnell should be saying that is what every senator in the senate should be saying why because biden already walked back because he said the same statement he walked it back nancy pelosi doesn't seem to want to walk it back she said it not only she said it a couple of times in the last four or five days that no matter what they do, she's not even bringing it up until reconciliation is done. So Republican Party, don't do infrastructure. Don't vote for it until reconciliation is done. Try to put a hold on it. Do whatever mechanism is necessary to put a hold on it. And, and, and voting present, I think, puts a hold on it. It does not put the Republican Party out there saying they're against infrastructure if you vote present. It just denies them 60 votes. So then... Everyone, if you sell it right and get on TV all the time and say, hey, she said that she's not going to bring it up. If we have an assurance it's going to be brought up within 10 days of our passing it, we will vote for it. But if she's saying that it's not going to be brought up until we do reconciliation, then do reconciliation first. And that should be the argument. And I believe that that would be a winning argument for the Republican Party if they took that position. Otherwise, they're going to get rolled. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's the choice. We get rolled, or do you want to be able to show the American people the charade that the that the Democrats have put forth? And they're not even it's not even a charade because they said they're gonna do this. They said that no matter what happens, they're not gonna even bring it up on the House side until they get what they want on reconciliation. And the reason for that is because they don't get what they want from an infrastructure perspective and a bipartisan manner, they're just putting it in a reconciliation. So why don't you just do that now? If you want to do it now, go ahead and do it. But Biden doesn't want that. He would like for, for it to be in a bipartisan manner. And I think it'd be good for the country if we did in a bipartisan manner. But voting present does not mean that you are objecting to it. It just means it's an explanation that you want to be able to follow what the speaker has said, which is I'll bring it up after reconciliation. So let's come back and vote on the infrastructure after you dealt with reconciliation. Just change the order of things. You know, Gary, lastly, we've had an in interesting situation in, on the, once again in the House of Representatives with Speaker Pelosi, and that is uh, on the Select Committee for January 6th. And I heard on, on Fox this past weekend, and I know we've talked about it as well, uh, Congressman Banks has stated that the, one of the reasons why he was not allowed on the Select Committee was because of the fact that uh, he had some questions that would be questions that he didn't think the Speaker wanted to have aired. Um, Two things. One is, I've been in politics for a number of years, Gary, and typically the majority party would name their members to a committee. No objections from the Republicans. <laughs> they would take care of their, their members. 
and the Republican Party, through the majority leader or minority leader, would name their participants to a committee. It's been like that since the day of the flood. It's always been like that. I cannot think of a situation where the Democrat Party determines the Republican members of a committee. I don't care if you're talking about the library board. I served on the library board when I was a city councilman. I served on the fire commission in Waterbury as well. All the committees I've ever served on throughout my entire life in politics, I never had the Democrat Party determine who was going to be my colleagues on the, on the Republican side. <laughs> it doesn't even make any sense. But it, there's no logic to it. So what Speaker Pelosi is doing is going beyond her, her powers, selecting Congresswoman Cheney to be on the committee when, you know, you're supposed to only be appointing Democrats. And then when the Republican Party gives you their selection of people, their five or six people, five people, you know, you can't determine who the Republican Party would want to have on a committee because you don't want to hear what they have to say. And so when I heard Speaker Pelosi say that she's going to select the Republican, some some of the Republican members, it, it doesn't work like that. It's never worked like that. And so trying to convince the media, I mean, the media playing the play, didn't even follow up on that. No one said... No, the interviewer didn't say, well, Speaker Pelosi, has that ever been done before? That's a nice, simple question. Simple question. And the answer would be no, because that's not the way it's supposed to work. You're not supposed to be able to determine the players on both teams. You're just not supposed to be able to do that. You can't say, okay, these are the team players are going to be on my team, the Red Sox, and the Yankees, these are the team players you're going to have on your team. No, you can't do that. It doesn't show any sense of fairness when you're determining who will be the starting five for the New York Knicks, and who will be the starting five for the Milwaukee Bucks? You can't do that. Simple. You can't do it, period. And, and trying to do that is really a sad statement. But the big question that, that Congressman Banks made note of this past weekend, Gary, is that, and I've said it before, you know, how could 20,000 people walk through the heart of Washington, D.C., and no one notice that there's a problem? <laughs> and how do, they, how do they not get stopped? How is it not a parade? How is it not? Don't you need a permit to watch? You know, there's a lot of questions to be asked. And who's in charge of the building? And maybe the American people didn't understand who was the who is. It was truly in charge of the building. It's a legislative branch of government. And the top person would be the speaker. And so that question is something that that I know Congressman Banks brought up on, on one of the talk shows this past Sunday. And his claim is that the speaker does not want to have to address her responsibility to, toward uh, people coming into the building. You know, it's like Gary being in a house and you leave your door open and, and you're, you're married and you leave your door open and people start coming into your house and your wife says, you know, why are these people in here? You know, <laughs> well, you unlock the door. <laughs> so that's how they got in there. <laughs> so, so, you know, getting back to that Haiti situation, you know, the guy's laid, laying in bed, sleep. Former president is not dead. God rest his soul. He's sleeping. People walking into his place. How did that happen? Well, people let him in. And so I think that there's uh, there's something to be said by that. You know, just out of curiosity, when CNN started, it was a very, uh, you know, it was supposed to be a kind of like a middle ground for conservatives and liberals. When did it really go in the opposite direction? Well, Gary, I don't know about that. See, what happened was, I was leaving office in 97. So in the, during the year of 96, all these cable shows started to come up. Now you had CNN, CNN was already going. CNN, they got their name, I think their claim to fame 
during the first um, Persian Gulf War because they were covering it uh, very well, and you can see the you know the you can see what that what was going on you know live on CNN, and so they they really got a lot of praise for their coverage of the first Persian Gulf War, and that went extremely well. President Bush and uh, General Powell did a fantastic job, et cetera. But as time started to, to, to pass, Gary, it started to change because Republicans tried to tell the public that we wanted to slow the growth of, of some of the entitlement programs, such as Medicare and Social Security, you know, some of the entitlement programs we're going to talk about in the future. And CNN decided to take the Bill Clinton position, which was the Republicans are cutting Medicare. And it wasn't a matter of that. What was happening was Medicare was going at 100 let's say $100. And we, as Republicans, wanted to raise Medicare spending to $103. Well, Bill Clinton wanted to raise it to $105. So CNN decided to say Republicans are cutting Medicare. Now, $100 to $103 is actually an increase in spending. But they didn't want to take that. They took the Bill Clinton message, which was Republicans are cutting Medicare because I want to go to 105. Republicans only want to go to 103. They want to cut Medicare. Neither of us wanted to cut Medicare spending. But CNN then became the Bill Clinton network. So Republicans started to call it the Clinton News Network back in the around 93, 94, 95, 96. So it became known as the Clinton News Network. So it never was. It, it just evolved as as being far to the left rather early. And they did try to be a little part bipartisan by having shows that would have a Democrat on and a Republican on. I mean, a true person who was a Republican, not one who was a Republican, but still supported the Democrat position. You know, they or vice versa. No, they truly have what's called crossfire and they had a Republican, they had a Democrat who were fighting against each other and arguing back and forth. It was a great, it was a good show. I was on it several times over the years, over those, during that period of time. MSNBC came next, and then Fox came right after that. So I appeared on both of those shows when I was doing my book tour. I'm not sure if I was on MSNBC, but I know I was on Fox. I think I was on MSNBC. And they were just in their embryo stages. But no, it's always been, Gary, unfortunately, um, those the cable stations, with the exception, Fox ended up being more of the conservative or Republican type station. But that that seemed to fit because at the time, the owner Rupert Murdoch had had, had ties to uh, the Wall Street Journal, which is deemed as being a more conservative newspaper. And so that's that's how that all took place. I was just curious because I feel like, um, and I thought at one point CNN was trying to be the quote unquote middle. They, well, Gary, NBC and, and throughout the early 90s, none of the TVs, none of the shows were, were, were willing to show themselves as being totally partisan. It was not until recently that they don't even care. You know, yeah, that's they, hard to believe. They don't even yeah, care. Either. Right now, they will just tell you Republicans are all bad people and Democrats are great people. You know, they don't care. And that's that's part of the problem that we have today is that they are unabashedly liberal or unabashedly conservative and they don't really care about the other side as far as showing even though they give mouth service of oh yeah we're trying to be but you know it's it's so obvious and that's why the people see it they see through it as well that's why the media's approval rating is in the toilet as well but when you have the congress at at, at such a low level i thought it was at an all-time low level but when i did my research on gallup the all-time worst period of time not all time but the worst period of time for 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 congress was during the Obama years, and they were they could not get out of the teens. 
they were like 9%, 12%, 13%, 9%, 11%. They were terrible. I mean, when you have almost 90% of Americans saying they think Congress is terrible, that's really bad. That's really bad. And you can say, well, never, it's never been like, it's, maybe it's always been bad, but no, it has not. There are times in which Congress had a really good approval rating. When I say really good, you know, about 50% in the 40s, et cetera. So has that happened since these networks have gone more liberal and conservative uh, networks? And no, I, I, think, I think the big breaking point, Gary, would be when Obama passed Obamacare the way that he did. That just started to turn everything into, uh, into a real partisan type situation. But we'll save that for another day. It's so weird to me that what network can be so against the other one and then they both call each other and basically say that they're both doing fake news. And it's like, but you're both doing fake news. Yeah. And, and it's like, I don't, you know, it's, it's almost like they need another news station just for the movie. Yeah. No, you're right. Now, when Obama first got elected, Congress's approval rating in, in, in February and March were almost 40%. And then it went down to nine. You know, so you, you know what, what drives these things is when, when people see Congress just being so partisan, then people don't like Congress. But when they, you know, when they see them working, to, working together with folks, like, for example, in 2004, Congress was well over 40 percent. And here's, here's the big one. In 2000, they were in the 40s for 2004, 2005, 46, 45 percent approval rating in, in 2005. And then you keep going. They're all in the 40s. They're all in the 40s. In 2000, in, in fact, in 2003, 2003, in February, most people like Congress. Congress had a 50% approval rating. In fact, in April of 2003, 58% of Americans loved Congress. 58%. And now we're down to 26%. And during the Obama years, we couldn't get out of the teens. 2002, we're 52%. In fact, in February 2002, Gary, 62% of Americans love Congress. 62%. Oh, it gets better. Obviously, this is after 9-11, 84% of Americans love Congress in 2001. On September 11th, it had that high of a rating. 84% thought Congress was doing a great job. 84%. Even in November, 73. December, 72 stayed in the 60s throughout 02. So it can be done. But what happened then? We were in a war and we bonded together and we worked together as a Congress, as American people. Throughout that period of time, we were well over 50%. So Congress can good good grace. So for people to throw up their hands and say, what's wrong with Congress? And American people get it. You're trying to fool us. Trying to fool us on this infrastructure, $3.5 trillion bill that they're trying to pass. Trying to fool us. You want this to pass with a Democrats report? We know that, Speaker Pelosi. You don't care how it's passed. And if it's passed with only Democrats support, you're fine with that. But I'm telling you what it does to the country. It rips us apart. Just look at the polling numbers when you were in the toilet. Congress was in the toilet. In 1998, 56% of people approved Congress. The numbers were high for decades. When I say high, it's a relative term because 50% has to be deemed as being high because you're going to have some people just from the other parties, so for whatever, whatever reason, not going with you. But the bottom line of it is we can't even get close to that number now. And it's sad. I think, 
I think it'll be very interesting to see how many uh, members are still in office from 2002 2003. Yeah, there's there's quite a few. There's quite a few. Speaker Pelosi would be one of them. She's, she, she's been around since 1988, 87 or something of that nature, 89, maybe 86. I'm not sure exactly. This is not rocket science, but they don't want to look at the numbers. And that's why, you know, when you look at Gallup, you go to Gallup poll and, and just put in there Congress and the public, and you'll see their job approval rating over, over the decades, and they can do much better than this. But they also can do worse, because as I said before, the Obama eight years, hard to get worse than that, as far as Congress and what they were doing. It's really bad. Really, really bad. 14%, 17%, 13%. It's really bad. So we're out of time for today. Don't forget to subscribe.